0: episode of the misfit fantasy football podcast where we are predominantly a dynasty podcast with occasional sprinkling of redraft here and there you never know when it just kind of jumps on us whenever we decide Mine, i guess now the host jacob dupree aka the commissioner aka i'm still branding myself as the dynasty daddy even though even if it's just me that's okay and i always have my you know very quote-unquote special accomplice chance how are you doing tonight amigo i'm good if if you win
1: if you win, just you can just stop at that sentence. If I win, period. Say you win any of our leagues <sighs> of record, that you we should get that etched in on
0: the trophy. Dinosaur, <laughs> <Some daddy. album. laughs> well, listen, if it's OG, I can be the one who put it in there since you know I am commissioner of that league. But as this, this was another point, so the NFL actually had things happen because as of this recording, this is Monday, July 17th, and this was the day that people can either sign their sign a long-term deal or you know basically the franchise tag Jance, you can tell me if I'm an idiot through that concept but that's the gist of it you either sign a long-term deal or you are stuck with the franchise tag and you could not sign but two players of note did not sign it's Josh Jacobs of the Raiders and then Saquon Barkley of the Giants who immediately quoted or, you know tweeted afterwards saying it is what it is so Dynasty perspective. I mean, what is, quote it, is it's like a movie quote? Is it?
1: it is what it is. It's like something I would tell my son whenever I don't want to explain things to him. Like
0: it is what it is. <laughs> um, so, like looking from a just a football perspective, you, you, and I, and Taylor, and I, when he's been on the podcast, we we've, we've been strong proponents of like running backs get your money because the NFL is screwing you out. So basically, like they just get. I saw a quote on Twitter that someone put out there from a top executive said they'd rather draft a guy, draft a rookie high in the NFL draft, write him out for five years, then cut him and not pay him at all just because of the nature of the position. I also saw that Christian McCaffrey and Derek Henry came out today and said something, you know, about how the ridiculous nature of how like Austin Eckler is making more than a vast chunk of backup wide receivers on rosters. Um, just speaking about the overall position of the running back landscape. Um, But anyway, so we'll just real briefly from a general NFL, like actual real life football perspective. I know we've talked about this before. What are you feeling that's going on with the running back position on its entirety in the NFL? Like this isn't an in-depth fantasy thing just yet. This is just more of a Jensen Jacobs spitballing about why the NFL refuses to pay running backs, even though sometimes they're the best player on the team. Sometimes like in Saquon Barkley's case, He's the only reason you had people in the seats for like, you know, three years. Right. I have conflicting thoughts
1: on both sides of the spectrum here that, that I understand why if you're running back, you feel devalued, devalued as a big word. Um, And I understand their frustration because they put in obviously as much work, if not more than every other position Mm -hmm. and feel like they're not being compensated fairly. But I also understand it from the team aspect that we talked about this for, years and we've shifted the spectrum that you know 10 20 years ago running backs would get paid a lot much like what quarterbacks get paid today obviously yeah uh, but as time went on and we started to see the successful teams started to recognize that running back position isn't or wasn't quite as important as we thought it was and so i'll ask the question to you because i want your general thoughts as well sure. is at the end of the day whether it's the raiders the giants or any, anybody else that their job as GM or an owner is to win football games. That's it money. You know, you have to do that and stay below the cap. Those are the two main goals. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're the Raiders or the giants, would you sign Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley Barkley to a long-term deal of like three,
0: four plus years or let's say it's 15, $16 million a year. My thing is even from just a a sheer football perspective, obviously I know you have to take in the state, the placement of the team and everything for me, especially like Saquon situations particularly, yes. I mean, you drafted him, what was it? Like number four or something three. crazy, three overall. Three. He had two ACL injuries, and yet last year he still rattled off one of his best seasons yet. He is probably the best player on that offense, and now if you take away the threat of a Saquon Barkley run, rushing attack, defense is going to just key on Daniel Jones, and you know, I mean, he's not going to throw like 15 touchdowns and five picks again. Or whatever it was, like so. For me, from a football perspective, I think it does make sense because you've even seen it and tried with other running backs as a Giants, and seen it mostly fail. Like I know, I think it was last year or two years ago when Devonta Freeman was there. I mean, I used him in fantasy for a couple of weeks. He was okay, but I mean, it was like you know, volume based twenty carries for eighty rushing yards, two catches for ten yards, and pray to God I get a touchdown. Meanwhile, Saquon Barkley, I feel like, is a genuine game-breaking player who the defense has to account for on every single play. So from, just from a football perspective, if you're going to try, you know, throwing a cover cover three shell high, you have to have a speedy athletic linebacker or a speedy athletic nickel or a speedy athletic safety to be in the flat on Saquon's side. Otherwise you're about to lose 15 yards per play basically. Sure. So I think with the Giants perspective, it makes a lot more sense. Now from the Raiders I feel like they are more at a crossroads of about to have to rebuild potentially because I don't know if Jimmy G can continue to, you know, can get them to a playoffs. I don't think they have the defense to be able to get there. Their offensive line's not that great, but I mean, Josh Jacobs, he's a player that I would try to do an NBA sign and trade. I don't know what you're going to get for him, but you just basically say what is the other team going to pay you? And we will sign you to that and we will trade you for a pick or we'll trade you for, you know, a player in a pick swap or something. Um, it's just – it's so team-dependent. But, like, I guess my, my official stance would be the Giants, absolutely. You are accidentally a playoff team last year who won a game against, I would say, would be a better team. And he is the heart and soul of that offense. The Raiders, I can understand it a little bit more. Plus, you already have Zamir White, who's on your roster, who has a year full of experience. The Giants only have Burita, and they drafted, like, a fifth-round rookie in Eric Gray or something like that.
1: Right, right. And I, and I get that. I have a more cynical view of the running back position. That, look, I – Your I, statement is, is
0: you are will, you are worth what someone was willing to pay.
1: Well, we've talked about that in the past, and obviously we don't have to rehash it. But hmm. more of my stance is I see it from two lenses, that as an from an entertainment standpoint and as an avid football watcher, I want to see all of these guys get paid. And I want to watch them because I think they're dynamic and they're fantastic for the for the health of the sport. But I also understand that these teams – whether it be one or 32 or whatever, Mm -hmm. very easy to look at the landscape of football. And it's not that you can replace Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs because you can't, but it's that that position, it's easier to go get someone that can give you 70% of what they do rather than it's easier to get 70% of what say AJ Brown does for the Eagles. Well, that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And so I, I, and the other thing about it is, it's great for us cuz it gives us something talking about and i love the dynamic of that and the discussion towards it but i do find it frustrating that we all have a certain perspective on this and a lot of people are behind the running backs and mm-hmm. i, and I get, but there's not a whole lot of active solutions for what that is yeah and so part of the thing is yes it's easy to say these guys should get paid more or whatever but my question is not so much that it's what's a realistic solution that benefits everybody, and benefits his running backs. Because you can't force these teams to have to sign them and mm-hmm. have to not have labor unions and have minimum salaries, which we already have. We're getting in deeper water
0: with that. But <laughs> that's 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 a grand economic scheme. Maybe sure. we'll start something else and delve deep into you sure. know, the global but, economy.
1: But I I I will just put my my neck out there, yeah. my personal view. If I, let me maybe even put you know something more personal. I'm a Cowboys fan, obviously. If I'm the Cowboys right now. And I have Tony Pollard, so I, I care about their success. I want to see them win personally. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. And I love Tony Pollard. I think he's fantastic. If I'm the Cowboys and Tony Pollard's playing this year on the franchise tag, as he is a, as he is as of today, then as much as I love him, from a team building standpoint, I would not want them to pay him long term money next year. I don't. And if I'm if I'm strictly speaking of, do I think he on that contract gives the Cowboys a better chance to win? Then rather they spend you know, that 10, 11, 12 million on something else. That's just my thought. Mm-hmm. So it all goes back to team building and roster building. I get it that these guys are frustrated because the effort and the work they have to put in, but as you and I have talked many times, and this is not just an NFL thing. This is a a deeper talking point on <laughs> jobs as a whole, <laughs> that how much you get paid in the grand scheme of things has never been about the amount of effort or the toil or the hard work you put in. It's simply, the value you bring to somebody, and even more so, not even value you bring, it's perceived value. You know, I know not even how much you really bring, it's how much do people think you bring. And the day and age we've gotten into, it it's just shifted so hard on the running backs. Now we've talked about this also. I think there will be a pendulum swift or yeah, shift sure. back way.
0: We both agree with this.
1: I'm hopeful for that. I I really am. And I think it comes back. What I don't want, and I it, I, I don't think it's realistically possible, but I don't want to see these guys sit out for a myriad of reasons, fantasy, like, yeah, on general. But I don't blame any of them that think that, hey, this is the only way that I can get paid is if they organize, you know, a league-wide strike I don't think is, once again, viable. Well,
0: but. well I mean, it, it's kind of like the dock workers back in the day or like, you know, um, back in, oh, what was it? It's like mid-1800s Ireland whenever people were getting worked to death at the cotton mills and stuff like that, making thread. Whenever the homeboys up top, they just kept, oh, yeah, we have to, to keep our profits safe. We have to make sure we cut everybody else's wages. Eventually, sure. everybody just walked out the door and said, screw it until you actually give us a fair wage. We're done. And I don't want that to happen with the NFL, with the running back position specifically. But like looking at Track, the fact that B. John Robinson's contract is worth more than what um, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley would be making, Jonathan Taylor would be making. Um, I mean, I mean, can't, there's, that's basically the end of the important people list. But, anyways, the fact that a rookie out of the gate who has a first round contract is making more than three guys that I would veritably say has already shown their worth, I don't know where that balance is. And I it comes like to draft pick and stuff like that. Like, I mean, heck, Austin Eckler this year is making roughly 700K more than Bijan Robinson. And we've seen Austin Eckler be a, an amazing fantasy asset for the past two years. I think you'll heard a stat that he has more touchdowns in the past two years for a non- non-quarterback non position than anybody. I think it's like 42 or something like that. Right. And yet he can't get a contract because the team doesn't want to pay him. Right.
1: Well, I, I think one of the last points I'll put on it is if this was like professional baseball mm-hmm. and there was no hard cap, then I, I would even more so yeah. understand why because there's no reason at that point that you can pay him whatever you want to pay him. And obviously there is – a much deeper conversation of CBA and how contracts work, which obviously I'm myself and not qualified to go into (laughs) into detail. But at the basic core of the argument, if you're a general manager, you're an owner is the more money I pay somebody that perhaps I think, you know, I could spend it elsewhere means somebody else is not getting paid X amount of money or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there is only so much pie to go around that at the end of the day, you have to win the baking contest. If you want to put it that way. Yeah. And, There's only so many ways you can slice it. So I'm interested. I'm very interested to see what happens here. I don't want to see anybody sit out for selfish purposes. I get it on a personal level for those people that want to do that, or those players that want to do that more power to you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a crummy situation Mm because as of now, I don't see, I don't see any realistic solutions that are coming down the pike
0: anytime soon. And and I'll just kind of like you, I'll have my sign off when it comes to this and we'll get to the fun things. Um, I do see a point where in the next CBA agreement, whenever that is, I do see if the CBA and the, you know, the player president and stuff like that, NFLPA, if they do their job, there should be a massive conversation about these men, grown men, risking their bodies daily, and yet being treated like, you know, as Austin Eckler said, discardable widgets. Something that's just, oh, well, he's run his tenure, toss him to the side. Um, then, then like, my last quote that I'll say is, because um, Austin Eckler, you know, he had that, and there's more to it. Do a, look, Go look at it on Twitter. And then Derek Henry said, you know, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give their all to an organization just seems like it doesn't even matter. I'm um, with every running back that's fighting. Take it what they deserve. It's a direct sure. quote from Derek Henry. The king, Th- thickness himself.
1: And to try and maybe add something you know uh, maybe a solution the only thing i could see that seems like it would be pretty easily to just slide in there in the next cba would be for just shorter rookie contracts for running backs in general um now i know that varies based on when you're drafted or whatever but maybe they should scale it back that even if you're like a first round pick at running back then your first contract only lasts two three years maximum because that's the key is that is try and get it to where their opportunities to get paid still takes place in their proverbial prime, so to
0: speak. But would that um, even matter? Because would they just discard them and get somebody else? Because if it's, it's going to be a short would, contract, just cycle through. Get another I would, one.
1: I would think that it would still drive up price a little bit. because, In the context of Saquon and Josh Jacobs, let's put it this way. I don't. This is my thought. I don't think the Giants or the Raiders are concerned or scared about their production this year, perhaps even next year. I think what they don't want to get – what doesn't want to happen to them is that to them to get holding the you know metaphorical bag, so to speak, in that age 28 season, that age 29, age 30, when we see the decline and they say, holy cow, this guy finally went off the deep end of his age, which is to be expected, and we're paying him $16 million a year this year. Ezekiel Elliott. moved up at 24, 25, then maybe that mitigates that a, a little bit. Now, is it a foolproof solution? No, but – at this point, we're just looking for anything we can get. Yeah.
0: It's it's a rough-sauce situation. There's not a right answer. I mean, heck, how much was Zeke's deal whenever he signed it? What was it, three years ago? Oh, you're asking me a tough question off the top. I know it was too much. I mean, it was <laughs> that's way a, too much.
1: That's, that's the other side of the equation is when that got signed. Everybody. Everybody in <laughs> their dog was that, like,
0: that's way too much. That
1: is a bad contract. And what did the opposition say? He's worth whatever someone's willing to pay him. You're right. It's fun when it's on the one shoe, but it's not so fun when it comes back the other way.
0: I mean, it's it's very true, and that's probably the reason why everybody hates. Good says, well, Jerry Jones did this, so f him. We're gonna screw everybody now. But anyways, <clears throat> Giants' backfield right now. The back main backups is Matt Burita, career journeyman, kind of been a little bit of everywhere. Then they just drafted a, Eric Gray. I don't know off the top of my dome when he was drafted. Um, but- or was he an undrafted free agent? I thought he was drafted. I want
1: if he was, I want to say like sixth round or
0: something. Round five, I was right earlier. He was a fifth round pick. Um, so if you see Matt Burita sitting out there, or you see, you know, you're on the clock in a rookie draft, and Eric Gray sitting there in like the late end of the second round, would you rather have Burita who's the vet or Gray who's the fifth round rookie? Mind you, I think we both will safely say. I would anticipate both of these players to play come week one just because the fines are ridiculous and they're just massive and they're just basically says if you're going to try to sit out, screw you. Um, I anticipate both of these players to play. But we said the same thing about Melvin Gordon. said the same thing about Lev Bell. But anyways, who would you rather have, Eric Gray or Matt Breida?
1: I'd be Matt Breida for me. I mean, if we're taking percentages on who do I think of these two players – will have a productive, you know, whether it be five, six, ten games, then I'm going to take the guy that, you know, has at least established himself to show that he can play. Now, if I want to take a full-on flyer, then obviously it's it's air gray, but uh-huh. I'm going to take, take at least what I think I can get as decent production. And the last thing I want to add on what you just spoke of is, it's my understanding, maybe somebody can correct me, is since they did not sign, they have not signed their franchise tags mm-hmm. as of, they are not subject to fines in training camp. So nope. the only thing they would lose at this point is game checks once the season starts. Yep. So it's not like those situations in the past. We've seen some guys get fined in training camp that that's, that ship is probably sailed, but they, yeah. they will not be present for that.
0: Neither of these guys are technically under contract as we speak. And so that's why they don't have to show up and won't get fined. We believe. Don't quote us on it. Um, then, from a dynasty perspective, are you, if you're like, Right now, speaking with Saquon specifically, if you are a competing team, are you sending out a trade for Saquon? If so, are you willing to throw it out there like the one six? Because if I'm someone trading Saquon, I'm going to know he has top five upside. And honestly, like if I'm them, I'm re- ready to hold on to the back. So you're going to have to make me tr- like want to trade him away.
1: No, I think that's a good example that if you are – in a total win-now scenario, one or two years, then that's the kind of trade I'd be sending out to see if somebody is concerned. Because as much as we talk about holdouts, missing games, we have to understand that it is significantly rare that that happens. I mean, it it rarely happens. And so me, as the person that tries to always put odds and logic to these type of things, would say that if you're asking me, do they actually miss games, I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. So if, if that is changing somebody's thought process on value, then I'm going to try and take advantage of that. Now, maybe yeah. I get caught holding the bag and they do hold it out and you lose it, then I, I can live with that.
0: Let's so put it this way. I don't, I don't can't think off the top of my head where someone set out the entire season. So I do think he would come back at some point, but who knows if it'd be the Lev Bell situation where he just kind of shows up and basically says, no, I'm not going out there. I'm here to get my check and nothing else. Yep. Um, then now switching gears to Josh Jacobs, same conversation uh, his backups are Zamir White, drafted out of Georgia last year. Um, then there's Brandon Bolden, um, and then Amir Abdullah are also there. Personally, I just think if Josh Jacobs does not play, and I think you know, if, even if he just doesn't show up and whatever, I think Zamir White was going to have a bigger role than expected anyways because last year he had almost 400 touches, and that's a crap ton. And he not, he's not the same size as Derrick Henry, um, so I mean, I would just say Zamir White would be would be elevating. So if I'm a Josh Jacobs manager, knowing that there is most likely one player is going to get most of the first and second and probably goal line work. I would be trying to send out one of those late second round picks that we talk about that you either have a plan for, or you get rid of, I would be trying to acquire Zamir white, not with like, you know, any haste or with any concern, because right now the price will be higher, but that is, it's only going to get higher and higher based off of news that we hear. Um, I would see, Hey, two, eight for Zamir white, because at that juncture, you're just shooting your shot. Anyways. I would rather personally feel cozy knowing that I'll have a player on a scheme that we saw produce a good running back at least last season.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're totally correct. As somebody that has Zamir White in at least one,
0: maybe two leagues,
1: I think it's um, one because I have
0: him in two punks.
1: <laughs> okay, we have great shares here, so you can answer. The, <laughs> you can answer this other side of this question: Is right now my perceived value of Zamir White? If somebody sent me. A middle of the second round pick so that would say they give me the the two six i i think i'd probably
0: hold him i think i'd rather hold him for that depending um, on your situation i mean i'm i'm kind of with you like spoiler alert later we're going to do a super flex mock draft and we can figure out when we get to that point it's like at the two six would you rather have this player or zamir white as of this date july right. 17th well and 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 i try
1: to put it more in the context of like let's just put him in the context of running backs i mean is amir white in this draft class i would probably rather have roshan ahead of him
0: this is another Ro- way this, this is a great Ro- dynasty Ro- conversation listen to what he's saying you put him in the boxes and you're like where would I have him in this trap carry right, on you're doing Ro- great. Ro-
1: hey roshan in uh i think Superflex is going around that two three two four ish so uh- that's
0: Roshan is flirting a little bit further back. It looks like he is 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So he's about the two eight. 18? Is that what you said? 18? 20. Oh, 20. Man, okay,
1: well, never mind. Maybe I will would trade. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay, that's about that. <laughs> There's, there's that.
0: Listening, if anybody wants to send that trade out, I might go ahead, go ahead and do it. Uh, Just to see another quote that I just see on Twitter from Najee Harris that Austin Eckler retweeted says, I agree with my running back brothers around the NFL history will show that you need running backs to win. We set the tone every game and run through walls for our team and lead in many ways. This notion that we deserve less is a joke, which I mean, listen, a running back strike is on the horizon. Like if next season, something doesn't change telling you right now, just brace yourself get look for the scabs that'll be coming up just like the replacements maybe we'll find shane falco somewhere to throw passes
1: well in the context of a strike here is is it's not so much the I'm trying to think about the phrase it it's not how strong your will is on these guys that are making decent money it's how strong is the will of the replacement level yep. dudes that it, nfl team dangles out you know a you know a metaphorical six million dollar bag. It's Here's and, hey, a carrot.
0: Come, come run through hey, some hey, people for yeah.
1: me. Without this strike, you would never get to make yep. this kind of money. You want to come play? That's what would
0: come with XFL play. players to the rescue. <laughs> the strike all over again. Oh my or god! Play play. God kill me now. That was the Seattle Green Bay game. I wanted to vomit. Um. All right. Now to something that's also fun to talk about. Still spicy, and yes, there is still an oversized human being involved. That's also on the Titans. Um. Actually, two of them, technically. Derrick Henry is the big one that I'm talking about, but I said his name on accident because my mind was thinking about the running back stuff. DeAndre Hopkins, he was officially signed, I think officially, signed by the Titans for a two-year $15 million deal with like $33 million in guarantee, something like that, blah, blah, blah. So Titans offense, did it actually get better or is this Julio 2.0? Because remember, Think a couple of years ago when Julio got traded. Yes, I know he's a little bit further down, you know, the river sticks, if you will. But still at the time was producing for the Falcons, was looking pretty good. Same thing with DeAndre. He looked great with the Cardinals, but now he's in that offense where receivers go to dives like Randy Moss, Andre Johnson, Julio Jones, and now DeAndre Hopkins might be next on the list. Um, so what do you do with D Hop and where would you put him loosely? We'll just say, like on a redraft perspective, because Dynasty-wise, he's still, like, wide receiver 20 or 30-something.
1: Right. I I understand the comparison to Julio. I think he's much better than that simply because, I mean, with, we talk about bad quarterback play in New York. Arizona may have had it worse with all the injuries they suffered, and he was on pace to have a very good season before his own injury. Um, so assuming that he can take any semblance of that kind of productivity over to Tennessee – I think I would slot him in a redraft around that 20 to 25 ish wide receiver. So, I mean, he's going to end up being a low end wide receiver too, which I would love to have him. Um, Now the question for me, I I think what's more important here is how many games is he going to play at this age with the fact that he suffered a few injuries the last couple of years. Um, I don't think 17 games is likely. I think what's much more likely is like that 12 to 14 range. So I think whenever he's available and playing, he may even be able to produce, you know, top 16-ish type fantasy numbers. But you have to live with the fact that he's probably going to miss a few more games than most receivers are going to this next year.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Then to flip gears a little bit, because um, I agree with what you said. Like, I mean, I said it in my piece a second ago. He's probably a wider, back-end wide receiver, too, for dynasty perspective, and even redraft, because I'm just more concerned about Ryan Tannehill and the overall passing volume that offense will bring. Now we flip over to the other guy that you were super stoked about, Trey Burks. What do you do with him? Because I I honestly don't know if his value changed a whole lot because with him, we were still looking forward to like, you know, who's the next quarterback going to be. I think this might benefit him to get to learn under DeAndre a little bit, but mostly whenever there is, you know, two wide receivers on the field, it's going to be DeAndre and him. And who is the defense going to pay more attention to at this moment? It's DeAndre Hopkins. So I I think dynasty perspective, his value doesn't really change. If anything, for me, it might go down like a notch, like maybe one spot, maybe. But that's just because I don't know who's going to be their quarterback next year. But one person I will say, I think sneakily gets better this year in all formats, like mainly dynasty, obviously, but like gross name to say out loud, but like, and I still love the, love the guy as a player, by the way, will Levis, what happens if the team sucks? Why would you keep playing Ryan Tannehill? He just drafted this guy and essentially was the very late first round with the very first pick in the second round, I believe, or something like that, something close to it. Why not trot the kid out there to see what happens? I think his value gets a slight bump in a dynasty super flex and two quarterback rookie drafts. Yeah, I mean, I really think this team as a whole is is not too
1: shabby at this point. I mean, we know that the Titans are going to roll out a good defense. I'm not quite on the Heath Cummings level of saying that they should be the favorites to win the South, but I don't think it's so crazy to say they can compete with Jacksonville this year. Mm -hmm. But to get back to your original point, I think you're correct in saying that this really doesn't move the needle too much either way in terms of Traylon Burks' dynasty value um yes it sucks for this year yes in redraft he gets knocked down probably to like that wide receiver 30 redraft
0: he's a boomer bust flex player forget about him yeah, for yeah.
1: Now. he's he was, he's a guy i would love to direct as my fourth receiver in drafts because like i mentioned he'll he'll have a decent floor i think in most games that you could put him in your second flex and kind of forget about it but for those four or five games that deandre hopkins misses i think he can give you some really good production mm-hmm. but long term I think you're right that if you want to spin this positively, I like the thought process of it gives him somebody who we know is a consummate professional that he can learn from. He doesn't have to have the entire workload on his shoulders. And if you believe in that sort of thing, as far as, you know, stunted growth as a player and, you know, and just being double covered and having too much work, he's obviously not going to have that now. So he'll get his good matchups. Yes. The times that the Titans put the ball in the air might be, still be too infrequent to support him as you know, an everyday type starter as far as your fantasy team. But if what it does give into play is that if you have a manager that has him and they just see this as a total loss, then, you know, shoot something out there and see if you can get Mm -hmm. some value as somebody that has him in one or two leagues. I'm certainly not trading him by any means at this point.
0: I'll just say this. The Tennessee Titans threw the ball at the fourth lowest clip last year, according to football database at just over 50 or just right around 50.9% of the time. For perspective, the Buccaneers were the most and they passed the ball 66.7%. The average was right around, it looks like about 56, 57%, about right through there. So they were pretty substantially below. Like in just in terms of attempts, I know it's going to kind of vary for game situations, but the Titans threw the ball 505 times, which was once again the fourth least. Just above the Panthers, just behind the Ravens, which honestly shocks me that the Ravens beat someone in pass attempts.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that changes that dynamic this year is a Derrick Henry Derrick Henry injury. Now, if that happens, then all bets are off. And maybe they totally flip the game plan on its head if, and they just pass it and, if
0: that if, if Derrick Henry goes gets like sustains like a long term like injury, like, you know, God forbid he strains an NCL or he wins the lottery and goes on a very, very nice and very, very long vacation. Um I think that's when they could just blow it up. Honestly, like trade Tannehill. If there's an injury to somebody, if they just need a competent quarterback, like the the Buccaneers, that division's bad enough. They could still compete. Tannehill's competent enough with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I could make a case for that. Um, D hop could get traded again, just because like, if, if the heart and soul of your team, who's a running back, by the way, pay them in, (laughs) um, If he goes down with that kind of an injury on a team that's built with that offensive identity, like you said, all bets are off. I just shrug my shoulders and say, we'll see what happens next week. I don't know. Yeah. But is there any other NFL news that you want to talk about that's pertinent or interesting? I mean, I can always talk about Sky Moore here. He's getting more praise from the athletic about how the coaching staff is raving that he's going to be the top slot option. But that's, that's just for me. Other stranger people out there like me. Exciting. The training camp is
1: what week and a half, two weeks away for something. No,
0: Both rookies teams. report for most teams tomorrow. On oh, really? yeah, on the eighteenth, the nineteenth. But all teams, like all players, report at the end of this week, like the twenty-first to the twenty-fifth. That's kind of the time date. So that means it's officially time to start paying attention. Just like I mentioned with the whole Sky Moore thing, it's similar news pieces like that that we've been hearing on the off season. Um, that you actually pay attention to now and you actually see like during training camp where they're installing the season-long game plan if that's actually coming through to fruition. I mean, so there's like, there's Puff around, you know, Sky Moore. I mean, Mike Giusecki's recently got some love because everyone's talking about two end sets in uh, New England. There's, help me, help me out here. There's a couple more things. Um, of course. Just, like, me, just like Just like Puff pieces, stuff like that. Stuff that we've seen that we're like, okay, like whatever, we'll factor that away until it actually happens. Um, well, here for
1: the, for the Bucks, isn't the talk about what the Baker has already
0: oh, it seemingly won this job? Or am I reading that incorrectly? I just missed something. Um, I think so. Currently, he's still splitting first team reps. A recent report, according to NBC Sports, is that he wants to get a long term deal with the Buccaneers. Wow. Best of luck to you. You still have to be on Kyle Trask. We've seen the videos of them overthrowing people in just helmets and shorts. Here's the question Is Kyle Trask like a sneaky Dude. like super buy low in super
1: flex leagues? Because I mean this competition is still happening, we believe at least. And I mean, if he were to get the job, yes, we're not saying that he's great by any means, but the weapons are there. Mm-hmm. And Gotta believe they'll be throwing this thing a ton with how much they'll be behind this year. So I mean you could probably do worse and buy him for almost nothing. You could do worse. Like you said, you could do worse. I mean worse, you could do worse if he gets the job. Now, if he doesn't, then obviously you you can't do much worse.
0: And that's why like you send out like your like if you have a 20-man bench, you send out the 20th or the 19th player on your team for him. Let's see what happens. Or a third-round pick. I mean, crap, I just got Sam Howell for Romeo Dobbs. I was personally pretty stoked about that value. But Yeah, besides the point. You should be. Also have Beef Brisket, a.k.a. Jacoby, reset on that roster. So I will have the Washington quarterback by George. But anyways, enough nonsense. Let's get to the mock draft. So, Chance, I will be such a kind-hearted person to give you the 101. So that way I can do something different at 102 than the people are used to, I guess. Because let's be real. Once this is, I think I will bookmark this one and actually save it so that way we can do like a post training camp mock draft to see what happens. Because last year at this juncture, I think Damian Pierce, that we were hyping, by the way, not to give ourselves any credit or anything, he was going at like the two nine to like two back in the second, and we were saying (laughs) spam, spam that if you're drafting now. And he ended up going back into the first round, most picks. Um, but, anyways. We'll bookmark this. We'll do one now and then before our actual drafting for like the OG and Stranger Danger, which by the way, my body is beyond prepared for those. Still don't know if I went Quentin Johnson or Jordan Addison before though, but beside the point, chance, one-on-one, super flex mock draft, go. So I'm, I'm very surprised first of all, to see the current ADP for these. Oh rookies. dude, let's talk about that real quick. Cause I'm kind of shocked too.
1: You go ahead. Keep talking. <laughs> and so I, it's going to be Bijan for me at the one one but I don't think it's this chasm in most drafts between him and Anthony Richardson in a super flex draft. I I get it. I'm taking Bijan here for the obvious reason. He is the ultimate safe pick because we know what he's going to be. He's going to be a stud. We feel pretty confident in that, but you know, the value is so propped up by quarterback. And if you're someone that likes Anthony Richardson, I, I would not be shocked. Let's just put it this way. If I'm in one of our drafts this year, mm-hmm. and it's not me, And somebody takes Anthony Richardson (laughs) one on one. Unlike everybody, I'm not gonna think it's crazy. I won't.
0: I will. Just because. And once again, go back to the last time we talked about a mock draft, or we talked about I think my upside draft that I did, something like that. Anyways, words. Um, my thoughts, and when I'm in the top three or four, is I need someone who I know is going to be at least adequate for a little bit. And so oh, the fact that Anthony Richardson, yes, could be the 101 forever, he could also be a tight end next season and be competing with Mo Ali cox for targets on the Colts. So that's why I would rather go Bijan just because of the safety. And plus, dude, next season, even if he is an average running back, we'll say he finishes RB16, you could still trade him for probably a top-end first of the next season's draft plus something. Anthony Richardson, if he is – Average to mediocre. I'm not sure you could get that. Yeah, I, but I look
1: at it this, I look at it this way: that Bijan is close to his ceiling right now in value across the redraft dynasty. If if Anthony Richardson were to return value, let's say he ends up being a top eight quarterback in the league, then his draft value, his tradable value, is going to be far higher than Bijan's in a super flex draft. I mean, right now, and I know this is a tier higher, but mm-hmm. go look. Patrick Mahomes is the Josh Allen. Uh, I
0: was already on KTC but, uh, I'm way ahead. There,
1: <laughs> there, there, there isn't a trade in a super flex that somebody will give you those guys almost. I mean, they're almost untradeable in super flex. So, yes, that's a big if, but it, for me, and this is just philosophy wise, if you earned that 101 of the 102 spot, you probably have crappy quarterbacks and it's my mindset that you cannot win. I'll say I'll say it firmly. You probably can't win <laughs> in Superflex without having at least one very good quarterback. I would argue at least two
0: top 16 ish quarterbacks. Ideally. I mean, we'll find out in stranger danger because I have Stefan Diggs, Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson to carry Kirk cousins, Kenny Pickett and Geno Smith right now. So, I mean, we'll see if it's hey, true.
1: I <laughs> may be biased coming off of last year with the combination of uh
0: Hurts oh and in Empire. Yes, 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 yes. It's that hurts in the home. That makes you feel really good every week. It doesn't. Um, just for perspective. So right now, according to KTC, Anthony Richardson is the 18th most valuable player in Superflex leagues. Bijan Robinson is the 10th. I do agree that Bijan's basically at his ceiling now. Like, even though I disagree with some of these, like I would rather have Bijan than Lamar Jackson. That's just one spot up, and then everyone else I could agree with. Anthony Richardson to me is, potent. that's just well, me.
1: And the last thing i ask is, was what it, yeah. what, we know that B. John's running back one in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. What, what, what is Anthony Richardson right now, quarterback
0: what? Nine. Right. So one yard, is currently. In
1: position. They're only separated by six spots.
0: Yeah, he's currently behind um, Justin Fields, Amar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Herbert, Burrow, Hurts, Allen, Mahomes um in the quarterback list which i mean i don't know i quarterbacks weird (laughs) anyways just to spite you because in this mock draft lobby with jance's pick is the 102 just to spite you i'm gonna take bryce young at the two just because my thoughts my philosophy on how i draft because now you're gonna spite me at three it's fine um i would rather have the safety of knowing bryce young is going to get two to three years of run unless he is just Josh Rosen bad, and I think he's a significantly better prospect than Josh Rosen was coming out of UCLA. um I'll just go ahead and put Anthony Richardson at three for you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I really, I'm really surprised to see how ADP has changed because behind Bijan, I don't have any reason to not have a a three quarterback run right here, in mm-hmm. my opinion.
0: Yeah, so it, it, I'm gonna sorry, I'm gonna actually undo our two picks just to read off what current ADP is because I agree with you. Like, it's kind of wild. So right now, sleepers ADP goes Bijan. Anthony Richardson, then Jameer Gibbs, which is wild, then Bryce Young, then JSN, then CJ Stroud. To me, if someone's an ADP, like that's all that's what they draft by, you should be trading for the 1-5, because that's probably going to be a steal of a pick. Oh yeah. Um, so I'll put these back in real quick. Um, because at the 1-4. I would rather have CJ Stroud than two positional players because of the value that quarterback brings in super flex and two quarterback leagues. Because like you said, if you don't have at least a functional quarterback and a half, you will not be very well off in that league unless you are absolutely yoked at every other position. So I will buck the ADP trend and go with CJ Stroud at four, um, completing our three quarterback run, which I would envision, most super flex leagues will have, but yeah, you would I know I would that, think that, but ADP is flipping me the bird right now.
1: And like this is legitimately a question for me here between Gibbs and Smith and Jigwell. I'll give you my reason why is prior to the draft, I mean we we really thought that Jason might be the number two pick off the board. He might have even yeah. been the favorite at that point. Now, obviously the draft happened and Gibbs goes what number eight was it number well, 12? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it feels I get like this, the, the Clyde Edwards to Jonathan Taylor type vibes from this pick. Not that Gibbs would be a bust like that. And obviously this is a running back wide receiver combination, not a running back, running back. So it's not entirely equal. Mm-hmm. Like I just have this safety with Jason that like, I, I saw the tape. The size is not near as much a concern at his position as it is for Gibbs. Like I, I feel about as confident as one can be that he's going to for sure be a very solid contributor of fantasy for many years. Gibbs, on the other hand, I, he might be a top five running back if he hits, but there's that con- the size concern that maybe he just en- ends up being a scat back yep. and nothing more. And, and so that's what gives me a, a legit inner turmoil on this pick. I think at the end of the day, though, that I'm still going to be swayed to take Gibbs just because the upside is so tantalizing, but it's a real conversation.
0: I mean, if it makes you feel any better, and I'll out myself for a couple of weeks here, I've already set my draft queue. So just because it helps me with my rankings in my head, I'm strange. I have been steadily moving Gibbs down because even like a recent news piece that came out from the the Lions, which was viewed as very positive as we view him as a multidimensional weapon that we could put anywhere on the field. For me, that says less touchy of the football because he's going to be running routes. For me, I, that I says more point. yes, so for me that says more Oh, David Montgomery just wrapped up the short down work and probably a first and second down. So now that leaves Jameer Gibbs with the spell back and the occasional reception. If
1: I I understand they are the better part of almost two decades apart from each other, but like I view I view that Jameer Gibbs could be very much like a Reggie Bush, which in context he was good. That is a very a very good fantasy player, very mm-hmm. good tenured professional football player. This is not a knock, but if that is who he would be in comparison, I would take
0: Jason if that if that was who he was going to be. Like just I mean once again, for perspective, Reggie Bush played 10 years in the league and I will say this, he had 2000 or 2000-yard 2, rushing seasons. Um but other than that, he was relegated to mostly mediocrity. You know why? Even at someone who is six foot 205, so that means he was taller and 20 pounds heavier than Jameer Gibbs. He only had a couple seasons of gratefulness because of his weaponized self, because he can do it all. Like, and genuinely, I think Jameer Gibbs can do pretty much whatever he wants. But because of that, he's also taking away his percentage of touches, I feel like, from that offense. And that's why I've been like right now, I have JSN over Jameer Gibbs. Call me crazy. Okay. Whatever. No, I. I I appreciate you. but um, So, yeah, 1-6, I'll just scream naked all the way to the podium and say JSN. Because even if he's not in a great year one situation, Tyler Lockett is going to turn 31, and that's typically when NFL receivers dip out. Um, We don't know what's going to happen with its quarterback position, yes, but I still feel like as a prospect, JSN is better than the rest. I will once again admit my weirdness, I think for just team building purposes, not prospect wise, team building purposes, I would think JSN, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison are closer than most people want to admit. I'm not saying as a prospect, I'm saying like, if you're putting one of these guys on my dynasty roster, I think there's a very real argument that one could present based off of the status of one's roster that Quentin Johnston might be a better pick just because the quarterback's solidity for the next seven years and the talent of Justin Herbert, but that's just me being out there. Now I'll leave you with this conundrum of Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison. Tell me some good tidbits. Well,
1: I'm glad ADP reflects our inner uh, turmoil turmoil. (laughs) related to this pick. It's it's their one spot apart in ADP. So, I mean, they're right there. I think I'm with you that I'm going to give Quentin Johnston the nod. Maybe that I, you know, I end up regretting that I could live with it, but, I don't know. It, it's difficult. It's <laughs> very similar to what we just talked about with Smith and Jigba and Gibbs from the standpoint of Addison to me. And we talked about this ad nauseum.
0: Especially last if, episode because we literally had ADP battles and we spent the most time on Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison. If you're, if you're putting a gun to my head and saying you got to pick one of these
1: guys to for sure have a eight-year NFL career and have solid production, I'm, I'm picking Addison easily. But Johnston, at this point, is is just clearly the the higher upside player. And they're close enough that I'm willing to take the shot with them right now. But you ask me in a week and it could change again.
0: And just to rehash what we said last week, Quentin Johnston has an opportunity, you know, more directly in 2024 to potentially be the number one for Justin Herbert because Keenan Allen's 31, Mike Williams can't stay healthy, um, Josh Palmer's going to be a good wide receiver you know two or three coming next season um but he has a long-term stability at quarterback then with Jordan Addison he's going to walk into almost a guaranteed 100 plus targets with the Vikings this season but we don't know what they're going to do with Kirk Cousins and he will never be the alpha of his team with Justin Jefferson being there I mean all that being said I'm still taking Jordan Addison at the 1-8 because of all the things we've talked about once again just we ranted and raved about it. Like once again, if you want to hear like an in-depth take on these guys, go back to our last episode, because we had a good in-depth football conversation about these two. Um, But it's just Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison's my battle in my head on my OG roster. And, you know, I have Justin Herbert on that team and everything else, but I, I, hmm. this is one reason why I'm okay. That a rookie draft is like just before the season, because I get to see if Jordan Addison practices or not. And even then I still feel like I'm going to be more conflicted than I want to be anyways, carry on.
1: I think this picks, I know, it's, I know you don't feel this way to me, this pick at the one Oh nine is, is, is pretty easy for me that it, Zay flowers is a guy that's already being forgotten because we're just not hearing about him, which I'm, I'm totally fine with that because it's yeah. not that anything bad has happened or anything good. It's just nobody's talking about it. And If we're going, for me, when we come back to those conversations of nothing has changed, then I just go back to the tape and I go back to my previous rankings. And this is exactly where I had him. So for that reason, I'm going to keep him there.
0: I mean, I guess my, my continual question is, I don't know who's going to lead that team in receiving. Who's going to get the most targets? If Bateman's healthy, I think it's going to be him. They're ranting and raving about Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers. I have not liked him from the start, even though everyone else loves him. I'm okay to be wrong here. Um, Just for perspective, I mean, he just skipped over Dalton Kincaid. Once again, Jance and I have a very staunch opinion of don't burn a first round pick on a tight end, especially in a non tight end premium league. Um, sure, if you're at the 112 and you have nothing else but avoid a tight end, why not? But safe practices says don't do it because they're years to burn. Um, I do think 10 11, you can, 10 11, maybe 12 even in most super flex, you might find the steal of the draft. Um, between Zach Charbonnet, probably Devin A-Chain, and probably Kendra Miller, one of those three running backs back here. Um, because Zach Charbonnet, like we've talked about, very well could step in and steal work from Ken Walker. What XYZ, once again, check our back catalog, because we even talked about we talked about that in a way back episode where we literally spent the entire first half of fighting between Zach Charbonnet and Ken Walker. Um, but anyways, I just think he could be the lead ball carrier for seattle by the end of the year just saying
1: no it's it's certainly a possibility that's in play so i think i would that's the way i would have it as well um for me as time has gone on i i feel more confident in taking Devin a chain here um now this is a guy that is getting a lot of good reviews from from you know mini camp earlier Mm -hmm. and in rookie camp and stuff like that so um, has a whole lot changed? No, Dalvin Cook hasn't signed here. That hasn't signed there yet, so that's still good for now. We'll see how that changes things if it happens. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of downside here, a lot of floor. Um, but once we've gotten to this point of the draft, I don't feel great about anybody really, as far as like I, I for sure this guy is going to be an NFL player for five plus years. Mm-hmm. I don't like the running back position. We don't feel that way, so I, I'll, I don't have a problem taking a guy with a lot of upside, like not going back to that previous conversation with Gibbs, if I can get that kind of product, like a Reggie Bush type production here. And that's what yeah. <laughs> I, I'm totally for. It. At the end of the day, I mean, the only thing, the only thing that separates those players besides three rounds of draft capital is about <laughs> eight, 10 pounds of weight. I mean, that's besides that they are very similar in, in archetyped and build and all those things. So mm-hmm. I can tell,
0: And plus the the value of him being back here, even if he's just a pass catching running back for six years or whatever, that's an amazing flex play on a consistent basis that you're just like, okay, whatever. It's not going to wow me, but if he falls in the end zone, he'll be running back too. Um, so now at the one twelve, I do kind of feel myself at a crossroads because, you know, now that we have Alvin Kamara news that he's not facing felony charges. I don't think we mentioned that because that's the thing that happened. Um, He's not facing felony charges. It's just parole and a fine. Um, But we don't know what the NFL is going to do. If I'm in rookie drafts at this juncture, for me, I think that still moves Kendra Miller down just enough for me to take Jonathan Mingo ahead of him. I've been outspoken about Jonathan Mingo, and if I'm back here at the 112, I might as well take my shot at what could happen and pair him with, you know, rookie quarterback. And all he has to do is, once again, be – usable as a flex player at the 112, and I'm okay with that selection. But he has the body and the build of, you know, A.J. Brown lights, you know, this big, fast, physical guy who that, – that's a traits pick. That's not a college production pick, but – Sure. No, I like
1: it. Um, At the first pick of the second round, I think this is where I would take the Dalton Kincaid pick. Mm-hmm. I know it, it differs a little bit from our, our previous drafts, but thinking back to this being a real draft, this is obviously the same player that took Bijan. At the one on one, so if I've already gotten that security of that much of a sub player, then take I'm shot. much more, yeah, I'm much more likely to take Dalton Kincaid. Who, who, I, I once again, I want to, I want to re- reiterate here. I think he's the best tight end in this class. Mm-hmm. He's got a promise, he could be a really good player, if not a great player. We just know that it takes time for tight ends to develop in most cases and be productive. And a lot of times, you can go and trade for them in year two or year three in the off season. But at this spot, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with that. And so now the Alvin Kamara thing has me con, confuddled with Kendra Miller just because we liked him as a talent pre-draft, but he, we weren't like over the moon for him, you know, absolutely pining to have him as more of the potential opportunity if he does get felony charges and is automatically suspended for a year because of jail time and stuff. Like, cool. I'm interested to see where his ADP settles as more news comes out. Um, right here at the 2-2, Honestly, I'm going to take Rishi Rice just because of, you know, because the Kansas City wide receiver room is wide open. Even if this is a pick for next season, this is a softer hit than taking Sky Moore at the 1 7 last year. So taking a guy at the 2 2 who could develop into next season as being a, you know, outside wide receiver for Pat Mahomes, I think it's a great pick. And I know if I said this 12 times and I'm going to say it 12 more. If you draft Horatio Rice this year, it's most likely a pick for 2024 and not 2023. Because remember, Andy Reid hates rookies, a la Skymore.
1: Anyways, 2-3. Right. Yeah, I think the 2 where I'm perfectly fine with taking Kendry Miller. Yeah, we, we we have no idea um, with the Alvin Kamara stuff at this point. But he's still a guy that was what? the Was Ooh. he the third running back? He was the-, the third
0: or fourth. He was pretty quick up there.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you still – I think you stayed before Devin a. chain So, I think he was a third running back off the board. Let me look um, here. Th- Third-round value in today's NFL, especially with the conversations we've had today oh, – behind Charbonnet, sorry, running back four. Yeah. Um, dra- ra- Round three draft capital for running back is pretty good
0: these days. Round so- three draft capital is now equal to round two draft capital like five years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is a guy that's got investment. He's he's got qualities that we like a lot, and why we were higher on him than most, I think, in our pre-draft process. You were. I like the player. I like the opportunity that he could have, and regardless of what we think with um, Kamara, we don't think he's going to be there that much longer, whether it's age or this incident or a contract or whatever. As far as his product or his productivity, excuse me.
0: So I, I still like him here at this spot. Kendra Miller was the fourth running back taken behind Zach Charbonnet just ahead of, surprisingly, Ty J Spears. Um, and he's only 21. Yeah, that's right. I had to jab Ty J right there. You know I had to. So at this point right here on the board left, there's Michael Mayer and Sam Laporta, Will Levis, Josh Downs, Roshan Johnson, Tank Bixby, blah, blah, blah. Real quick, conversation about Michael Mayer and Sam Laporta, because we haven't talked a lot about these tight ends because of our general, general stance, but let's kind of dive a second deeper into these guys. Michael Mayer was touted for what the past two seasons is going to be the next big thing in the NFL as tight end. Um, Sam Laporta comes from the long line of Iowa Hawkeye tight ends. I mean, see Noah Fant, who was great in college before someone comes at me. Um, George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, um, he, even Dallas Clark. Wasn't he a Iowa Hawkeye? There's a way through <laughs> I'm going to Google it now because I want to be right. Um, anyway, so between Michael Mayer and Sam Laporta – By the way, I was right, insert dab here, Um, between, I've been in mock drafts, I've looked at Michael Mayer, Sam Laporta, just as a thought process of like, who would I rather have, Sam, Michael Mayer's with the Raiders, Sam Laporta's with the Lions, like, do you have a preference between those two, like the historical hype and conversation of Michael Mayer, or What we see and what we had a late bloomer of Sam Laporta, because remember, he was getting super hyped pretty much towards the end of draft season, the NFL draft season to be specific. Yeah, I
1: think it's Laporta for me. Now, I'd be lying to you if I knew in-depth draft profiles on these guys. I haven't gotten that far as as perhaps others have. They were
0: one pick apart, by the way, in the second round.
1: Sure, but the draft capital, like you're mentioning, is just about the same. And and who doesn't like the Lions offense and the way things are projecting? Now, you could make the argument that Mayer is in line or to be higher in the pecking order as far as receiving targets with what they have. And he's a quarterback
0: who loves tight ends.
1: Yeah, so I, I get it. and I don't have a problem with somebody that thinks differently, but with where we stand and with what we expect that Lions offense to be, especially with Jamison Williams missing the first six games, um, you know, why not take a shot on Laporta, who a
0: lot of people are high on,
1: and um, is going to be in a great offense.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing with I think Laporta versus Mayer that tips to Mayer's sides: a, the historical conversation about him being great, and then b, on that offense, he, you could argue he is a shot to be the number two target behind Devonta Adams as soon as now, because cool. yeah, they signed Jacoby Myers, but like he's never been anything special. Yes. You know, the 42-year-old insurance salesman known as Hunter Renfro is still hey, in the slot. He, he has been very special to the Raiders before playing for them. I mean, you, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean. um, but so with my pick at the 2-4, I'm going to dip down the ADP just a touch bit. I will take Tank Bigsby. I just feel like there's going to be a bigger role for him on the Jaguars than most people care to admit. They've said multiple times about how they don't want ETN having too much carries on him, about how towards the end of the year last year, he was tired, hurting, ailing, whatever. I just think Tank Bigsby's is going to have a pretty decent role straight out of the gate. So I personally love getting him between the 2-4 to like the 2-7, depending on when I can get him in months.
1: Um, Here's a question here. We have, you know, it's a super flex league. We haven't mm. taken Will Levis who has fallen. was my other guy is what do we make of what has happened to him recently with not getting taken the first round, even though he thought he would. And so far in the offseason, the talk has been that it's been more of a competition that perhaps it was perceived to be for that second spot with between him and Malik Willis. How far it realistically do you think it really
0: knocks him or where he should be drafted in Superflex drafts right now? Me as a Will Levis stand, I considered him a two four, but I Felt like it was too early because of what you said, the reports of it being in competition with Malik Willis. My thing is, I feel like Malik Willis is probably going to get cut because he was just a third-round pick. And we saw them, and I think Mike Ryan said it best, they signed a career backup off of the street three days before a Thursday night game and started Josh Dobbs over third-round rookie Malik Willis, who had been there all season. For me? That said all I needed to hear to know that the Titans aren't the biggest fans of Malik. Um, and I would expect Malik Willis to be better at this point, and he should be dominating because guess what? He's been there for a full year now. I would expect him to be better off. So for me, my comfort area for Will Davis is like 2-5 to 2-7. Like if you're a quarterback needy team, I can see you taking him at 2-5. It's a shot. You're a second-round pick, and I feel like there might be one one to two players left on this draft board as of right now anyways that I'm like, have expectations for it, everybody else is just a shot at upside. It's so like I wouldn't be mad if you took them at two five, two six, two seven, or even two four. If you're just that thirsty, like I almost was, right? Because no, now, I think like makes- we talked about, remember, if everything goes to crap, what are they going to do? Keep trotting out Ryan Tannehill, try to win more games, or are they going to send out Will Levis? Right. No, I think it makes sense. Um,
1: so my my question here at the uh, where are we at now two five. The 2-5, it's really between him and probably Roshan to me. I mean, it's it's do I take a guy that I personally don't love as much in Will Levis, but in Superflex, his, his value obviously, his mm-hmm. obviously gets boosted. Or a guy that I do like <laughs> being Roshan Johnson, <laughs> but he could be running back three for the Bears. Um, I think when I'm comparing those two things just in a vacuum, I'll take Levis here just because the position boosts him high enough that if he were to hit and to be something, that it's going to it's gonna take him to a different stratosphere that's going to be hard for Roethlund to reach, even think, as much as I like him.
0: I think even if Will Levis just comes in and plays six games and looks adequate, I mean, listen, Sam Howell came in and played one game and was perfectly mediocre, and the world lost their minds. By that. Now he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Commanders. I traded for him for the what ifs, just kind of like this. So, like with Will Levis, what happens if he comes on and has two or three good games? Next thing you know, his value spikes. So, right. I'm with you with that. Um, at 2 6, I will take one of the tight ends over Roshan. By the way, who do you think KTC has higher, Roshan or Will Levis? KTC, I,
1: I'm i going to say that public sentiment has created on Will Levis. I'm totally just guessing. And then Roshan's somehow higher than him.
0: Roshan is higher by, like, you know, by a, their scoring now, system 100 points. I agree
1: with that. I just I know <laughs> how, how it sways
0: very quickly. on uh-huh. Um, At 2-6, I am debating between, like, one of the tight ends, honestly, because I feel like this is the range for one of them to go. Um, It's just, do I want Sam Laporta on an offense that's got more crowded weapons around it? Or I want Michael Mayer, who's on Vegas? So I'm going to take Michael Mayer just for the immediate opportunities chance of being, you know, a usable, consistent target. And plus, outside of Devontae Adams, I don't know if on that team they've got another big boy. And that's another point for Sam Laporta is he's like the tallest player they have. That's a pass catcher now. So he could just immediately walk into red zone targets. I'm assuming you're taking Roshan at 2-7. I want
1: to, and it, it goes back to our conversation where I initially thought I would definitely not trade the 206. Maybe I should right now. Yeah, <laughs> um, That's a real conversation. Um, no, I, I'm actually going to take Marvin Mims right here. Okay. I mean, of all things, this is a guy that, once again, is not being talked about either, which is okay, mm-hmm. is, I mean, if we're going back to just purely how I rank the wide receivers in this draft class, I think he's wide receiver. he's wide receiver five or six for me. And yep. for that kind of value position, you know, for that position to fall to the two seven, like I'd be really happy because this is still a guy that was drafted in the second round. um, And I know that, you know, things are kind of up in the air with the Broncos offense. We expect it to be better this year, obviously, but you got a guy that I think is, is pretty talented and gets second round draft capital. I'll take him here just about anywhere as far that's, as whatever he's on.
0: That's the only thing that concerns me is, He's on Denver. I know everyone's saying Cortland Sutton's on the outs, but he's still there. There's still Jerry Judy. That team still loves Tim Patrick because we keep hearing about how he's the best player they have on the team and he's one of the best wide receivers they have on the roster. So, I mean, I don't think he's going anywhere. So that's why Marvin Mims could be anywhere between the number one passing option to like the number four, number five, even behind Dulcich, just depending on how stuff happens. Yeah. And that's yeah. it for Russell Wilson, doesn't suck. I think he could. I just think from my
1: personal philosophy,
0: receiver
1: to me to me is easier to get on the field if you're a good player. You'll, mm-hmm. To me, if you're a good enough player, you'll find your way onto the field at receiver, and that's where I believe in the talent there. Whereas running back, you might be good, but if you have a stud
0: in front of you, you won't see the field. Yeah, that's what's going to happen to Izzy Abanaconda. Um, anyways, right. 2-8, Roshon Johnson, um, just a shot at potential lead back, and plus we've already heard some things out of OTAs that he's been showed he showed himself as one of the better pass blockers which by the way Khalil Herbert was absolute dog poop at last season like I think he ranked dead last or way down there on the list. Meanwhile it's one of Roshan's greatest qualities was his pass blocking at Texas. I mean I saw him straight up body a defensive end one on one and I was kind of exhilarated by it. Anyways 2-9 Let's take a peek here
1: so, at the 2-9, what am I looking at? You took a rush on, which kind of makes
0: me I excited. did. You're welcome.
1: Go ahead and give, give me Jalen Hyde here. I, talk about <laughs> opportunity. I mean, I know that there might be limitations to his game from what we saw at Tennessee. Uh-huh. But, I mean, who's to say that he's not, you know, the, the wide receiver one, maybe not day one. But long-term
0: in their plans, I don't see a reason why he why couldn't be. Let's put it that way. He's got speed to get downfield, which makes him interesting to, at, at the, the flat-bottom things. Um 10 I will take the other tight end, Sam Laporta, just because I do think that there is an opportunity for him presently with TJ Hawkinson Let them I in mean, crap. Some, whoever the jabroni was that was playing tight end last season was getting looks, and he's literally a jabroni. He's just a guy, and yet he was getting – talked about in like DFS slates and stuff like that. So you add some more talent to that mix and you could very well have TJ Hawkinson light or even 2.0, as far as we know. Sure. Go ahead and give me Taj here.
1: I know the concerns about the knee are there, but I mean, this is a guy that he is at this point, we believe one mm-hmm. Derek Henry injury away from being thrust into very, very valuable position at running back spot. So at 212,
0: I will bring up the Hinden hooker question. Jared Goff seems to have solidified himself in that franchise's eyes, but we know that the NFL is as as stable as water. It's not. So, like, is this where you take a shot on Hinden hooker Personally, I'm kind of out. I don't want a 25-year-old rookie quarterback who's not going to be able to do much during his rookie season at all. With a team that has Jared Goff, who probably just had one of his best seasons in his career – um, and I am a decent fan of him. So like what are you thinking with Hooker at this juncture?
1: Yeah, I think this is about the spot you take him. Mean, didn't have to be right here necessarily, but uh, the third he's got third round written all over him to me. Mm-hmm. You, you know you're punting this year, despite what they think about him or or do think about him with Jared Goff, just the injury-wise, he's not gonna he's not gonna play this year. Um, so that is tough and he's older, but the upside is there in a super flex league that as the Fourth quarterback taken in a given draft, I guess the fifth behind Will Levis. Excuse me, the fifth quarterback taken in a draft. That there's always a chance that he could find his way to be the starter. I mean, Justin Herbert went undrafted in our rookie draft in our, back in our in single season.
0: quarterback. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, it happens. I'm not saying that's where he's going to be, but third round is is perfectly acceptable for <clears throat> me
0: with him. Yeah. I, I think in Superflex, I think it's early third because that's why the two twelve he, he creeped into my thought process because like. He is a quarterback. He was decent at Tennessee. What happens if X, Y, Z, um, but I'm not going to go that route. <clears throat> I'm hurt that Josh Downs is on Indianapolis because he was my child. Um, so what I'm just going to do is I'll take my other child, Izzy Abanaconda. Um, anyways, we hope that you enjoyed this experience of a mock draft and this conversation. Things are a little bit different in how we kind of process through things, but I might post this later, but more than likely I'll forget because it's what I do best. Um, gents, thank you for hopping on and talking football with me tonight, my dude. <clears> hey, <throat> sir, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. All right, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Make wise decisions. Don't be dumb, and remember, if you have a late second round pick, and especially single quarterback leagues, either have a plan or trade it for the love of all things holy. Catch you guys on the flip side. Bye.